Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, this is the audience participation part. Shut up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please silence your majors. Turn off all the here. The show will begin. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 157 of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm Tim Mitchell and I'm from Toronto, Ontario, and we are recording live from 360 IDEV. <laughs> podcast and listen to any of the episodes. Right. All, all five of our fans are here today. For those of you driving at home, it's just a sea of support. <laughs> Can't even count them all. Um, so, we usually start with follow-up. We have no, one. ask it to first. That's what that is. Ah, yes. Okay, sorry, Tim. You're right. It's a little bit different, and I do not normally imbibe before the show. But we did have a stuff 360 thing in which libations were allowed. <laughs> Twitter. We have one from a friend of the show, Sean Marston, saying, uh, to me, at Tip of the Hair, at FGJ 
SJC podcast, uh, possible pick, the Apple Watch unlock for older Macs called uh, Mac ID by Kane Cheshire. And I think that's probably in reference to the fact that I referenced my uh, MacBook Sad, Pro. Sadly, sadly, too old. Just ever so slightly too old to participate in the Apple Watch unlock sort of things. I have no idea how it even works. I assume it's magic. Uh, but, but thank you for that. I have heard of uh, Mac ID before. Well, we, it was a pick of mine because I had to talk to Kane about it. I've had that eye installed on my Macs for a while. Okay, awesome. Yeah. But that said, I mean, like, well, I have I have the Mac unlock on my computer at home, and I can't tell you the word. I can type the file password faster in returns than the watch will unlock the phone unlock the device. So. Oh, because I, I have one of those new. Um, wait, oh. I have one of those new fancy 13-inch MacBook Pros with the, right. with the Touch ID, and I, it's always a race for me. You're like, will my watch get there first, or will my finger on oh. the Touch ID get there first? And usually the watch actually beats everything for me, so that's interesting. Yeah, I have the fancy new uh, Mac at work, but because it's my work one, I don't kind of care with my watch, right? right. So right. Makes sense. I have a Mac, 2013 MacBook Air that uh, seems to work fine. Right. I think passwords is still 2013. <sighs> so, well, you know what's worse is when you have Touch ID, right? Like, Right. Like it's totally like I open one password all the time at the office, just with my thumb or whatever. Like all my punch in my you know password like an animal. <laughs> all right. So uh, do we have any for you, or does it mean you? Okay. So I posted this. Uh, it's actually just uh, we were talking here at our at our W. Where are we now? Not our phone. We're at three sixty nine. Yeah, I did. So. Where you just saying What? <laughs> it's okay. We forgive you. Okay, so we're at 360iNet where Jaime and I just gave a talk yesterday. One of our points about communicating effectively is you doing rubber duck debugging. And uh, Charles Perry, friend I guess for the show, or maybe Joe's, Joe's compartment on the uh, release notes, um, also posted an article today about, uh, or I guess he retweeted or whatever, an article about rubber ducking as the best way to code your debugging code. So. And we talked about, this is follow up, we talked about rubber ducking in the last episode. We did, in fact, talk about that. And um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where you, know, you don't necessarily have to have a rubber duck. There are people that I've seen who have the little mirror sort of thing that they'll put on their monitors so that if they're in an office, they don't get surprised by somebody walking up on them. You can kind of use that too, right? Really? You can talk to yourself in this case, and that's perfectly fine. You're, when you talk to the rubber duck, guess what? You're talking to yourself anyway. So <laughs> just you know, giving that additional context of like, oh, I have to externalize this rather than using my inside my head sort of voice, externalizing it, changing your perspective on mm-hmm. Nice and Yeah. But what, with an app camp for girls, which is the program uh, that I am involved with, teaches girls how to make iPhone apps for getting them into business, we do rubber ducking there too. Oh, really? In, in Chicago, one of the uh, instructors brought in a bunch of rubber ducks, like all customized and all the girls took them. It was really cute. Um, For me personally, I don't have an actual rubber duck. Basically, is what happens is I write an email to somebody like Joe. I'm like, Joe, I have a question for you. And about by the middle of the second paragraph, I'm like, I don't need to ask Joe this question. I think I know it already. So that's my rubber duck. Yeah, so that's what I sort of said in my analogy. I have a friend, Mark, who's on our, one of our hosts on here today. Um, I always end up writing him a long explanation email, and by the time I answer that, uh, I figure out what the answer is. And Or if I put post up on Slack, it's funny, on the railroad like Slack, I post questions all the time, and they never answer my questions because they know if they leave me alone long enough, I figure it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
You're going to go down with the phone. Don't choose a judgment from cat. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't deep on cat. Yeah, I, I, every time I've done that, it's, it's ended horribly. Very, very horribly. Yeah, there's no way to look into the eyes of a cat and feel good about yourself. Not a single one. <laughs> are also not a good choice because they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. You're right, you're right, you're right. Let's go for a walk. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so uh, this is where we're now in topics. This is still a few moves. Yeah, so, so yeah, exactly. So, Sorry. This came out, I think it's today. Uh, I'm going to tell about this this morning that Chris Latner has uh, mentioned on his, uh, I guess, probably on Twitter that he's now joined Google as part of after his uh, short stint at Tesla. Formerly of Apple, of course, everybody knows him as the uh, fellow, one of the founding members of the Swift Dog team. So, uh, yeah, really. Is that surprising? That's all. Well, the question is, like, why Google and why they wanted him, why he wanted to go there, what they offered him, and so on and so forth. Any, any guesses? So part of it was sort of my troll answer to all my Android friends, who immediately, while I'm here at the conference, was just like, oh my gosh, look, this Apple guy. Mind you, he was at Tesla before, so it's not the same. Uh, he joined Google, and look, he's going to be working on this AI thing. I said, wait, hold on. The troll answer is, clearly he's there, because Kotlin is dead, and Swift is going to be officially supported on Android. Next Google, <laughs> Kotlin is dead. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 right. That's what made the, like, the extra little twist in the life of that one. I think the more realistic answers I have is sort of two half. One, uh, clearly he's a brilliant engineer and you'd love to have his leadership, whoever you are. And Google is one of those places that has the money and resources and capacity to do the like forward-looking sort of research that AI is, is going to require. Uh, the more cynical view is like, and also, hypothetically, they have enough money to just collect all the players on the chessboard and say, yeah, guess what, Apple, Facebook, you don't get this person. I'll keep them happy, they'll be doing research. Air quotes here for those of you who can't see me right now. Um, and if he never ships anything, okay, well, maybe he's having a lot of fun academically. The most important thing for Google is he's not in his their competitors' hands. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, then why Google wanted him makes sense to me. Why he wants to be at Google is another question. That's that's the, the funny thing for me is what they must have offered him, which is probably not going to be disclosed at any time soon. But you know, I mean, you take a smart guy like this who's obviously you know did what he wanted to do with Apple and moved on because Apple didn't have anything interesting to hand in next. Uh, and Tesla obviously couldn't hold on to him. So whatever they promised him, whatever worlds, they, mm -hmm. you know, they, that wasn't enough. So will Google be able to hang on to him? Is my question. In six months, we'll just be like, all right, I'm out of here too. I, I, I don't know. Like, somebody like Chris Slattern to be it eventually. He obviously doesn't make money. So sooner or later, he's just going to be doing something on his own, I would think. Yeah, well, we, we even already talked to Joe before, uh, like, one of the sessions today that. Is it possible that they're taking him out of the playing, you know, take, take him out of the playing field because he, by hiring him, they get him away from other potential competitors? Yeah, well. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I would agree. I think Google made a really good decision with him in the basket. Yeah. And I think it's probably what you just said, where he's ours and now we can't have him. But how long can they keep him? I mean, somebody like that, he's he's a good catch. He's one you don't throw back into the water for any reason. I don't know if he's going to come back on an accidental tech podcast and talk about this next move, because that was pretty incredible that he went on a podcast and talked about the move. 
to Tesla. Maybe you guys should have them on this podcast. Well, we talked to them about coming around that much waiting for a response. But, but that said, uh, I was also at Coders a couple of weeks ago, and I think about six months ago, um, he, uh, Derek had him on with Coders, so there's another perspective. I think you might have just finished working at Apple. You want to let him know? I listened to pretty good. Right, so this is the next follow-up item. This is a main topic item. Main topic item. Well, this is a something we meant to talk about last week, but we got carried away with all the Star Trek, you know, Star Wars, Doctor Who <laughs> movies are good, the castle conversation. Um, but I, I, if you're pulling your hair out trying to figure out what's going on with uh, iOS, and I guess it is, right? Uh, on your phone, if you if you just upgraded and or you're trying to get the Charles, like we use Charles Proxy at our office all the time to. Uh, Look at the network traffic going back and forth between your device and, and your back end. Um, and Charles Cross can sit there and you can see the traffic going by. But one of the things we, we found was that even though we had the proper certificates on the device, we couldn't figure out why it wouldn't work. This is on the phone that we just installed the certificates on. So if you're pulling your hair out, as of 10.3 and plus or, or, or greater, if you go into the certificate trust settings inside of about phone system, system settings, uh, you'll find that the certificates are listed there and you can toggle on an on-off switch. And I'll post a picture of this on the show notes so people can see it. But um, yeah, without doing that, it's like a real mystery like, as to what's going on. It's not really documented anywhere that I can find. Any ideas of why that would make this change? Or? Well, it's, they're ramping up security. It's more secure, right? Yeah. But I mean, why do it not to get a 10.3 type release? Um, I think a lot of things, have, well, 10.3 had a whole bunch of security fixes in it, so that may be one of them, right? But so, like, I had it in my phone already, so when I went to use it, it was grandfathered in. And the provision, you can see here on this little screenshot, the two bottom ones that are, that are not grayed out uh, were already enabled. So, yeah, this is one of my offices that I my shop. Yes, we will have this link in the show notes. For those of you driving at home or sitting in the front row of the audience, been wondering what the hell are you looking at? So, Tim, uh, the next topic we have is uh, we're about what, the three, uh, two thirds waypoint, or perhaps three quarters, depending if you count the workshops or not, right. uh, of the way through 360 IDEV 2017. It looks like you want to talk about some of the highlights. Yeah, I just wanted to put, it, put this up to the panel to sort of. Uh, Maybe a good talk that you saw or a good talk that you gave. <laughs> all, all five of us on the panel here have given a talk here today or at the conference so far. But anything that struck out, maybe the, the facility, anything you want to say about 360 IDEV, this you've been here a couple of goes, right? I mean, yeah, it's been maybe a couple of years since I've been here, but um, I've been here a few times, I guess now technically several times. And uh, it's always a blast, right? It's great to come out here to Denver, see some of the, the Denver community. Uh, of course, it draws quite a bit of folks from different areas. Denver is kind of fairly centralized as far as the United States goes. It's a, it's a hub, isn't it? Transportation hub, United? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a major hub. So. Yeah, I'm Canadian, but I knew that. <laughs> uh, in terms of highlights, um, there's definitely been a major theme I've seen. Now, full disclosure, I think we took part in part of that theme, right? So there's the, the technical sort of tracks that you might have, uh, you know, here's how you use uh, CoreML, here's how you um, want to think about concurrency that's upcoming in Swift, right? And uh, the other part is the, the humanities part of this, right? That intersection right. technology humanities. Uh, we covered one part in our bit where we said, hey, you know, here's how you can become a better developer by talking, 
based on some of the things that we've learned by talking a lot, like on this very show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you had yours that we were able to attend, which was about uh, if you can teach it, you can learn from it. Because it was like a very cyclical thing. If you can learn it, you can teach it. Is that what it was? Yeah. I saw a circle of witness, you know, virtually. Stephen's not telling me, I paid them to come to the talk. <laughs> and we were late, too. I used to remember the title. <laughs> Gotta pay them more. I didn't have any notes, did I? No, I One more check for you. <laughs> and, and Joe and I also gave non technical talks about you know, our experience, like making our way through the communication swamp that it is, is business that we, you know, we, we want to do better at. Yeah, I think it's always been one of the greatest. This is my seventh year in a row with Recycling. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things I just I just expect to be in Denver every August because uh, John and Nicole run such a tight ship here. It's such a great show. And what always astounds me about this particular show is that I will see familiar faces every year. Some people will come back time and time again. Some people are here one year and up the next. But I always meet new people here. Somehow he's drawing people who have never been to any conference before or that have only been to one or two maybe in their entire lives so far. I think it's really great to meet all those new faces. I mean, I love that, that networking aspect. It's exhausting for, for an introvert like me, but it's, it's always rewarding to meet new people and see what's going on in the community outside of my own little bubble in my you know, home office. Yeah, well, I've always said the 360 idea is my, one of my favorite conferences. If I can't make it to WWDC, I, I always make a point of coming here. Um, it, you know, I've been to ton of, tons of conferences in Seattle and New York, Philadelphia, Toronto, in fact, and, and Ottawa. Um, but yeah, there's nothing like this conference. In fact, when I, when I found out that there was going to be four tracks, we're like, oh my God, we're going to miss three quarters of the conference. <laughs> Notwithstanding the fact that they, they scheduled Joe's talk at the same time as ours, so we couldn't go see Joe's talk. I've never seen you talk at a conference, you know that? Yeah, it did <laughs> Seems like I've never seen children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to tell John, I think, a little bit about the Mad Max Thunderdome. Like, two podcasts go in, one comes out. <laughs> Scheduling it goes on, on, on which time cycle. Um, I do want to mention real quickly, uh, so it's not all uh, the humanity side. The, one of the, the technical talks that, that stood out in my mind was um, Advanced Debugging with Xcode, Extending LLDB. Right, by, right. I'm going to butcher his name. Hi, John, I'm sorry. Ajax. Ajax. I got it today. I knew it was going to butcher. But it's such a cool name. It is a cool name. It's got Jax in the name. Well, exactly. In either case, his talk was, I mean, not only presented well, but the technical topic was something that I'm immediately going to use as soon as I go back to the office. Like, oh, wow, I can use Python scripts within LLDB to do all these wonderful, cool things that are pain in the neck, like, oh, I want to see a particular JSON element from a five megabyte JSON file that we might pull down from the server. So, like he mentions, you know, do PO on this particular string, grab a string, throw it into JSON pretty lens, or you know, pick your favorite JSON editor, and then go find the thing or collapse the thing. No, just use uh, the JQ command line thing from Python. Really, I just there. I want the one where the name equals Sally or where the property equals student. And that, that's brilliant. Right? I love that sort of thing. You can see that sort of uh, practical application here at Right. No, I was going to say, I also today caught a talk from Eric Blair. Uh, he was talking about watch notifications. And again, you know, the great technical detail uh, coming straight out of his own experience building watch apps for various companies and uh, actually helping me 
things and the ways I'm doing uh, launch notifications in one of my apps. So definitely the technical stuff is also really cool. I was going to say also about the workshops are always really good. On Sunday, they always have a pretty awesome workshops. In fact, I met Ray Werner like, um, at one of the workshops that he and Vicky did you know, back in when the conference was in Littleton. Sam has been on a great workshop on Sunday on fun with iOS 11, and, and, and he admitted that he, you know, when he came up with the title, it was just sort of he didn't know what he was going to do, but, you know, whenever he came in and he did a little bit of, what did he do? He did uh, a little bit of... Uh, drag and drop. Drag and drop is in there, and uh, Coromel, which is great, sort of play around with that stuff. Right, for sentiment analysis in particular. Yeah, what was the first thing he did, though? I can't remember. Did you see my notes? Uh, Jason Codable. Jason Codable, yes. <laughs> I have this live podcast. You like it? You like I love it. it. Like yeah. the people here, like we can be corrected. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anything else about 360? I mean, you know. There's so much. I mean, this is my fourth time, I believe. Right. And uh, I only found out about it because John Wilker, one of the main organizers, he contacted me for me out of the blue. Uh, in 2013 when we first started App Camp for Girls and right. said I'd like to do a thing you know do something to support you how about I give you passes right. for the girls oh, nice. and I'm like okay <laughs> I mean I, 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 there are, our campers our, our participants are all like 13, 14 I knew they couldn't just like right. hop on a plane and come to Denver <laughs> I said would it be okay if they bring their parents and he said oh yeah totally and and even though I don't think a single girl went that year, but printing out those certificates saying 360 IDEV invites you to come to the conference, I said, this is, this is a confidence builder. Yeah. And so, I, I, like I said, I had, I, I had vaguely known about the conference. A couple of friends of mine have spoken here like back in the day. But uh, that was, I mean, that meant a lot to me. Just for John to reach out and, and to offer to support AppCamp for Girls. And then 2014, I said, I better go to this thing. You know, if we're sending, if we're theoretically sending girls there, I better check it out. Check it out. <laughs> so I can't miss this opportunity. Can you tell us a little bit about AppCamp for Girls? It's one of the oh, yeah, ones sure. you've shows before. <laughs> yeah, so uh, AppCamp for Girls is a nonprofit uh, program uh, to with the mission of supporting equity and equality in the technology industry. Get more girls and other underrepresented um, people into the field. So um, actually, we don't only have girls. We, we're um, open to uh, youth ages 13, 14 who are, are girls or female identified gender fluid, mm -hmm. um, trans, that's one of the things we've kind of learned since 2013 is like we want to be open to all of that. And, uh, you know, as an old person, <laughs> 50 plus, like I wasn't quite aware of how much, uh, how important that was, right. that, that level of inclusiveness that I've learned. So uh, for, from a personal development point of view, it's been great for me. And uh, we started with one camp in Portland, Oregon. We, we expanded to Seattle, Vancouver, Canada. We are an official 
nonprofit in this, the country of Canada. Oh, you are not. Yes, we were. No, we. So we did. Wait for the wave of, of government funding. You know, <laughs> overrun with it. Yeah. So Hopefully. yeah, I'm embarrassed to say that when I thought about expanding to Canada, obviously I knew it was a different country, but mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it. Like, is we're the 51st state, by the way. Just in case What's that? We're the 51st state. Well, Vancouver is, de- I mean, British Columbia is definitely like the third piece of Pacific Northwest. Right. So we're in Portland, we had Seattle, it's like going to Vancouver is more no yeah. obvious than yeah. anywhere else. However, they have different money there, they have different laws. And, you know, but luckily for us, one of our big supporters was a law firm oh, in Vancouver. So they helped with a lot of paperwork. And uh, we've, um, but yeah, so Vancouver, we did a camp. Uh, Phoenix, we've done Orange County, and now this year uh, we started our first camp in Chicago. And it's been really great. I mean, this was our fifth summer, and we've learned a lot, and we've worked with hundreds of girls, if I can say. <laughs> hundreds of girls, and also, maybe not a hundred, but many, many women who have been volunteers have really gotten a lot out of being part of the program. And it's become a network and community for uh, people who thought like, I don't know if I belong in this industry, now have become iOS developers. So they saw like, hey, we're pushing it to the girls saying, you can do this. Um, it's, It's not rocket science and we'll show you some basic stuff, and uh, the volunteers have, thought, have been inspired. Seeing the girls go like, "Okay, we're doing that. We're, we're iOS developers now." And actually, at camp, we call the the participants developers. Right. We don't call them campers. We don't call them kids or right. girls or whatever. So it gets a little confusing, honestly, because there's also the developers we know professionally. But yeah, you're a developer. You're an app camp for girls. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the the whole women in technology, you know, percentage being really low. Um, we I see it in our place. I've hired, you know, I've been involved in hiring a number of women to work in our department. But the the issue isn't so much that women can't get a job today; it's that we're not fostering enough education for the young girls to to, to be to realize that they can be, you know, a developer. Right? We talked to Joanna Hoffman on Roundabout who. Was a developer back in the fifties and worked in you know back on the mainframe things and you know she sort of told us that she sort of saw the transition going through the eighties when the computer came home and you know uh, all of a sudden that became a boys thing when they would get the computer for the boy kind of yeah you know. I mean I experienced it in my own family as well I mean my brother was the first one to have his own computer right. and he's seven years younger than me you know <laughs> yeah uh, why that I mean you know. It, it's just it was it was a thing. It's still a thing. Sure. I mean, I mean, we could go on about all the various like inputs into this problem right. that we have. But to me, the solution is just start teaching kids who have not done computer stuff. Teach them how to do it. Right. And, and, and demystify it. Right. And just around the, the talks at 360, um, Jesse Chartier, Chartier? Chartier, yeah. Jesse Chartier did a talk on um, 
the education issues with trying to educate uh, the schools are uh, all pushing people to learn Java code and not letting them have computers and giving them theory first and practice later kind of thing. And that doesn't work with a lot of kids. And um, so it's a great talk. If uh, once that day goes live, I recommend people have a look at that. We'll link that in the show notes when it comes out. And, I mean, she didn't mention it in the talk, but she is the organizer for Avcash. Oh, is she? Oh, okay, well, good. Yeah. So. I didn't I'm looking at you because we're going to have them on roundabout. This woman and Jesse. Oh, yeah. Jesse's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I said that's cool. Yeah. So this is my first year at 360, I think. And I met John through the organizer's group of our conferences because I, I run the DevStop. And the only reason I'm here today to give the talk that I gave earlier was because I opened my mouth on the Slack channel for the conference organizers and made an offhanded comment about if you just rent me a car, I'll sleep in the car and I'll give a talk. <laughs> Why not? Well, that was on Tuesday of last week. Uh, he said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I went, shit. <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> so you actually got a car. I rented a car, but here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm a conservative person when it comes to spending money. I don't like to spend it. And I went to rent a relatively basic car, has good gas mileage, because I don't like to spend money. Even if it's other people's money, I don't like to spend it. So I contacted the rental, set it all up, and went to go pick it up. And I called them up, and someone was going down that area to work. I said, can you give me a ride? Sure. So I called up the rental place and said, can I come early? It's only a couple hours early. If you don't have a car, that's fine. They said, no, 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 we got two. We don't have the one you want, but we have two other ones. We have a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we have a Camaro, a 2017 Camaro. Red, fire engine red. Fire engine red with this giant motor, right? 1976 means already like, what? Yeah. So me being who I am, I need to sit and make sure that it's okay for us, you know, seven to and a half hour drive. So we leave my house immediately. It takes us 15 minutes to get down there. And we get there, and she says, I am so sorry, but someone came and took the cheap grand church. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, my 17-year-old son, he's back there. He says, um, totally have to take the car. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll totally take the car. And we took the car, and um, it wasn't... It wasn't a 17-hour drive. About 15. Yes, yes. We, we were telling the big rocket. He sort of floated us there. But yeah, so I mean, this is my first year here, and you know, I'm, I'm not a conference person. I'm not a people person. People scare the hell out of me, to be quite honest with you. And um, so to to be up on stage and talking about things. And then organizing my own conference and learning from people like John, learning from people like Raymond. One of the themes that seemed to be going through this particular conference is, you know, we're all in this together, and we're all teaching each other, we're all learning from each other. And so my impression of 360 I did, at least this first initial impression, is I would love to come back. And I would love to sports for to do so. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking we should do that after the burn around, right? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I've had probably more whiskey than I should be able to drive. I'll have to do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
There's something wrong. Okay. <laughs> I just want to, I want to point out for people driving at home and for the people in the room, I posted a, a slide up here that talks about where you can find us on Twitter. Normally we do the wrap up and talk about that, but I just want to point out that we're talking about four podcasts here, so this is the unofficial more than just code. No, four. <clears throat> <laughs> That's right. Okay, so, so, so at Indian yeah, right. Okay. We had um, Greg was the other edition there, but right. he still falls under the MTJC banner. Sure. Yeah. So it was more than just roundabout release notes. Right. <laughs> but today, Sister edition. Yeah. Oh, well, no. So now we're more than just code. More than just roundabout Sestra release <laughs> that, that, That's good too. That, that's good marketing. So just uh, on the slide there, we've got uh, our Twitter handle, more than just MTJC underscore podcast, and of course our website, mtjc.fm. We have Tammy's Roundabout at Creative Chaos, is Roundabout at Roundabout.fm, and Roundabout.fm.com. Joe and Charles Perry's podcast is Release Underscore Notes and Release Notes TV. The website and Sustercast is on the Incomparable. Um, incomparable. Incomparable. Well, <laughs> I got the yeah, Maybe that's Canadian. I got the antithesis of the wrong syllable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, incomparable. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's one of those words. But anyway, um, and your ancestor uh, cast, right? Yeah. 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 So that's a relatively new way to procrastinate from working. Right. Uh, but uh, that is a. A podcast dedicated to orphan black fans. Orphan Black is a Canadian science fiction series which just wrapped up this weekend um, its final episode after five uh, seasons. And I have been a watcher of, of, of Orphan Black for a while. I didn't start right at the beginning, but I got hooked on it immediately. And I don't have any other friends who watch it. Really? <laughs> so I was looking for a podcast that I could listen to that could be like my special iPhone friend, you know, that I listen to what they say and, and just go like, yeah, that's right. And I couldn't find one. And then uh, another crazy um, fan type person, Kathy Campbell, said, I'll do it with you, Ancestor Cast, which was available, completely available on as a URL and everything. And if you know Orphan Black, it seems like one of the other fans would have snagged that by now. Yeah, for sure, yeah. obvious yeah. name for a podcast. And we're on episode seven. Oh, well, we recorded our, our uh, episode for, for episode seven of Orphan Black. And um, yeah, we're just going gangbusters. I think we will, my, according to my calendar, we'll get through 50, the 50 episodes, which is the total number of episodes. Hmm. Right. Are you going episode by episode? Yeah. Oh, cool. So every yeah every week we just sit down, we have some notes, we have some ideas, and we say like, what? Are you excited about this episode? Yeah, I'm totally excited because we both love it. And then my co-host Kathy Campbell has uh, has never watched it before. Oh, really? So we're doing it like I can't spoil things for her, <laughs> and it's hard sometimes because hmm. I've watched the whole thing and. And she hasn't, but I think that's good for a balance of, you know, if there's new people who want to watch the show and then people who want to rewatch the show. Anyway, I can't believe I'm even doing a show well, about a TV. So the funny thing is I started watching the show when it first came out and, and I drive, I get on the streetcar every day, a 15 minute commute to go to work and I drive past the police precinct, the building that they use. So I started on Foursquare registering as the you know, mayor of Orphan Black Police Station, right? <laughs> and the, the place, the, the hospital that they use, which they just, they tore down and built this new fancy hospital called Bridgepoint. 
is live, my, my dog Mac and I walk by there every day as we look it's around It's basically the, the nexus of evil. Yes. Orphan yeah. Black. Well, and he lives right near there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not, not even like, like, it's like maybe, you know, a thousand yards from my house, right? So. Yeah. I gotta come to Toronto and you gotta take me on the Orphan Black tour. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. And actually, the, the building they use for the old—I don't know what they call it in the show. I'm not that big a fan, I guess. Um, is was the old Don Jail where they actually used to put people? It's like really sort of 18th century horrible place to be. They closed it down maybe about just by the time I've lived in Riverdale, 20, 20 years, right? So in that time, they closed it down as an actual jail. And they've now got they've got parts of it you can go and tour the old cells. And they actually used to hang people in that. I mean, I would like to say, like, I've done seven episodes of a show about a, 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 a podcast about a TV show, but I've done many more guest appearances right. on tech podcasts. So <laughs> I, it is a big switch for me, but you know, I, I've been a podcast fan since I mean, since the beginning, right. more or less, and um, and supporting podcasts. And when I was a uh, uh, partner at Smile Software. We use, you know, podcast sponsorships as a kind of a way to get out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always promoting that idea. Um, I started listening to all tech podcasts, and that's most of my, some of my best friends. Maybe all of my best friends are podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the next piece we want to talk about again for the group was um, just thoughts about the uh, latest news and tech news that's coming out. Um, iPhone 8, remember, you know, was it iPhone Burrito Supreme, you call it, and everything? I can sum this up with Apple's coming out with something new and expensive, and you should buy it. <laughs> it's got a shiny logo, logo on it, right? Really? <laughs> then, yeah, really. Are you surprised? Right? Seriously? Yep. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'll say my biggest worry about the iPhone 8, which is that all the rumors seem to point that it getting even bigger than the iPhone Plus already is. Really? Like larger? I thought the whole idea of an edge-to-edge screen was to make my phone smaller, and that's what Rene Ritchie promised me when I was complaining about the iPhone. He's like, imagine if the screen went edge-to-edge, and technically, yeah, if you hold up like an SE to iPhone 6 or whatever, like whatever, the screens match where it would actually be small enough to still get a 4.7-inch screen, and yet it would actually fit in my, not as large as you might expect hands. And I am rather upset about the fact that all these rumors seem to be pointing at an even like five point eight inch screen. Well, no, we we did we posted a, 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 show, a picture on a couple of uh, episodes ago, but um, it's on it's on the roundup. But um, it's supposed to be it's it, the sizes of the cases that they re- revealed is between an iPhone six and an iPhone six plus or seven and seven plus. Right, and the iPhone six is already too big, is what I'm saying. Oh, you're saying okay, but yeah. yeah so you're an SE user, right? No, I'm not, but I would I would be if I thought the SE was going to get whatever hardware niceties. You know, I mean, like as far as I'm concerned, the SE is a, is always going to be two years behind the rest of the technology, and that's not something I'm really interested in being. Um, but as far as the size of the phone goes, I would love to have that option. A smaller phone, yeah. A smaller phone, yeah, whatever way, but with, with, with the newest technologies in it. Yeah, I totally agree. Like this, I bought this phone really. I bought this because I have an app that uses the, the landscape mode, right? Right. So I wanted to, I had to develop it and see what it looked like on it. That's a six plus, yeah. Six plus, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. I hadn't quite heard that rumor that it was going to be even larger than the plus, like like physical well, larger size. The body, they, but they're saying the other body will be technically a little bit bigger. Interesting, interesting, because I had heard everything being more like, hey, you take a seven size body, take the edges off of the plus, right. and it 
almost, but not quite, fits into that, that body frame. So we'll see what ends up coming out in September. Tim, I think I heard a little bit too. You call it iPhone 8. I think that's probably because this 95 Mac article that we'll have in the show notes calls it that. Um, you call it the Breeze Supreme. I call it the Breeze Supreme kind of joke. People are like iPhone X, iPhone Pro. IPhone. Yeah. They should just call it iPhone. I, well, then we have the iPad problem. It it's, not it's not a problem. I, I, People I, just go by a night. Do you have a MacBook a 8 or a MacBook 13 or a MacBook yeah. Yeah, it's 19? not a problem, except for, yeah, for journalists, because they have to write stuff, and they are supposed to differentiate. Well, yeah, but yeah, since when does Apple care about journalists? Or <laughs> when the rest of us, actually. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, yeah. journalist friends. <laughs> so it's not really like a prediction show, but I think I would say... Like, I fully expect it to be uh, a 7S and a 7S Plus, minor modifications to that, you know, just, you know, yeah. and then the Burrito Supreme version that's probably going to be, in my opinion, probably going to be named iPhone Pro, just like they went with iPad and iPad Pro, MacBook, MacBook Pro, they're simplifying that sort of, mm-hmm. here's the entry level, and then here's the luxury edition sort of thing that you're going to get. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me, and also that there would probably only be one size of that, and that's, again, what I'm worried about, is that it's going to be giganto that we've already got because I'm going to have to have it and there's no way around getting the newest especially if it's got some kind of facial recognition super power thing that you know I'm going to want that because I can't help myself but I also want a phone that's I wrote about this idea when the 6 and the 7 and the plus came out that I, I, have to, I was making peace with the fact that I was going to be unhappy with my phone for at least a couple of years mm-hmm. and I really thought the edge edge screen thing was going to solve that problem for me but it doesn't sound like it and you mentioned um I just lost my thought. Oh, for me, the elephant in the room is a lack of touch ID. What? No. No, no, no. I'm, I'm bringing to talking to all four of you at the same time. Believe <laughs> me, I think Tammy has. Oh, sorry. No, I was yelling at him quietly because he's totally wrong with his prediction of the iPhone Pro. Like, think about it. Why would they call it the Pro? I mean, yeah. It's not like, I mean, with the, with the, with the MacBook Pro and the iMac, naming those things for the iPad Pro, that makes sense because technical people will be looking for Things. Right. So we're professionals, right? We're not just somebody using it. That sounds really bad, but you know what I mean. With the iPhone, you don't really use the iPhone to code or to create. Well, maybe I guess never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be in the after show if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, my point was that for me, like I, I mean, I wrote the article on Touch ID on RayWinner.com, and for me, Touch ID is is, the, is sent from the gods. But the fact that we're not going to have Touch ID, we've talked about this on the show many times. It's not going to can't go through the LCD display, blah blah blah. So that's when they're coming up with facial recognition. I guess, admittedly, it's more secure because it's a better representation of your identity, like in terms of biometric data. You don't think so? You're well, so say, Tim, I, I'm trying to unravel and unpack this. I feel like you're doubling down on a lot of different bets here. <laughs> <laughs> so, or I'm tripling down. I, I think we're, we're pretty clear based on the whole lot of like It's going to have, what do they call it, Pearl ID, Face ID, whatever it was. Yeah, some new name for you. Right, right. Here. And, okay, so maybe it has that. That doesn't presuppose that there will not be Touch ID with That's the true. Ocarina or Blowhole sort of thing on the back. <laughs> um, or have Touch ID embedded into the display or some other heretofore unknown 
acknowledge that Apple may have put in there. Right. So I just want to be real clear that you've taken a very particular stance, which is interesting. So you've like collapsed the the wave function of the infinite possibilities this iPhone can be. What's going to happen in September, uh, about a month from now? Well, I think I'm using what, what I've been reading, and, and that there's going to be no Touch ID. I mean, as how is Apple thinking to work with? As a counterpoint, I've been reading stuff on the watch, I guess, right? But, well, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I read the same things too. It, it's it made great drama if it was a TV show, right? <laughs> so you could turn it into a TV show because I've also been reading other things like, oh, it's going to be in October and maybe November and maybe not this year. Maybe mm-hmm. it's early next year. Who knows, right? Like it seems like Apple itself is basically going to just be a new iPhone this year at least. I can't remember if Tim Cook said in the fall, mm-hmm. but they gave their, their guidance and said, yeah, really, there's, there's got to be an iPhone. Yeah, and for me, like whether it's your face or your fingerprint or whatever, to me, combine all those things, whatever you have to do to get me to stop typing passwords is a good thing. Yeah. The, the sooner we get to the point where we don't need passwords anymore at all, to me, that's the real holy grail. If, if, if there's one thing I wish Chris Latner would go and do is go start a startup where you know, the elimination of username slash password right. was, was the goal. I really think that is the most user unfriendly. You know, if anyone who has you know, friends, family members who are non-technical and has ever had to walk them through two-step verifications and like you know, all these stupid questions that they have to, the security verification, all of that nonsense needs to go away. My computer, any of my computer devices needs to just recognize me. Hey Joe, how you doing? The way that you recognize me when you see me. It has to be just that secure. It depends right? if it's <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even if it's a little like, less secure, like the bank relies on a human being to like check my ID, I can fake my way through that too. Like, you know, being obsessive about being 100% secure to me is, is less important than making it work for human beings. And I think that hopefully Apple is heading in that direction with all these newer biometric type stuff, but I just want to see that whoever solves that problem to me, is a, that's a multi-billion dollar company in and of itself if you can eliminate usernames and passwords. I'm just thinking I need to purchase more aluminum foil. <laughs> For your hat? You clearly are not wearing enough on your head. <laughs> and the last thing I want is a computer to recognize me based on my face or my, my fingerprint. Or I'm, I'm like on the opposite side of the spectrum. First of all, I don't agree or like the idea of factorization because it's just, it's another lock on the door that can be easily broken by an asshole who wants your stuff. You know, that's the bottom line with the passwords or anything. And I just think that somebody's going to melt somebody's face off and attach it to... I watch too many movies. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of a show where, like, multiple characters can impersonate each other. And they have the same fear. It's, it's messed up. <laughs> They never talk about password security on Wonderful That's true. Yeah. Like that. All the biometric data would be the same too, right? Fingerprints and... Right. Yeah, but the guy cuts the guy's finger off and he holds it up to the door. The door opens up, he steals the thing, and then, you know, <laughs> they get the money. And right. My fingers are feeling very vulnerable. <laughs> Think about it. That's, that's a terrible way to do things. <laughs> I, I have heard There's tinfoil under this hat. Don't worry. <laughs> I have heard once, though, that, that uh, the touch idea of dead finger can't open the I think I need to try. No, no. <laughs> you just got to run on a bunch of current through. Does anybody want to step up and volunteer? <laughs> no, because, because your finger that does a touch ID now, it has to be, it can't be cold. Right. Yeah, it has to be the electrostatic yeah. whatever device you use. Because a friend of mine wrote a song about how zombies can't use iPhones. Right. And I believe that. 
He's obviously such a good actor. I've actually thought about that. Thank you, Matt. Yes, I can. That is the expert. Although, she is. I, I don't think that zombies would be cold enough to not be able to use the iPhone. Now, from a brain standpoint, they may be more like, well, that is like most <laughs> iPhone users. That's how I wake up in the morning when I'm looking at my iPhone. But yeah, I think, I think while they're not floating or swimming, Water does hurt the ability to use a budget. I noticed that. Yes, I noticed that too. Yeah, I mean, just personally, like, what was going on? Was it like either winter or rain, something with, with moisture in it, and it would be on my fingers, and then Touch ID was completely useless. Yeah, when it's wet, your fingers are wet, it doesn't work. Because in Canada, we're always wet, snow and rain. Well, that was the other interesting question, something I can't remember who was talking about with the idea of facial recognition. They're like, oh, well, at least in the cold, I don't have to take my gloves off to get my, unlock my That's phone. True, but it's like, yeah, but if you're wearing a face mask or whatever in Canada, you're going to be in this, like, gigantic parka with, like, covering anyway. Like, the, do I have to take all that off just for my phone? Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like whatever it is, Apple has to be confident. If, if they're getting rid of Touch ID, which I agree with, I mean, is not guaranteed. They'll figure out some way around that. Um, if they're doing that, whatever they're replacing it with has got to be as good, if not better. Right. And that's a big if. I think they need to concentrate on other things. Just want to sidetrack the show for a second. Imagine that, right? <laughs> <laughs> on our way here, we were looking to do something, my son and I, and I asked Siri, Siri, navigate me to the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> and Siri said, I don't know what you mean. And I said, Siri, where are the Rocky Mountains? And she says, let me take you to the Rocky Mountains in Zimbabwe. <laughs> now, <laughs> one, I didn't know there was the Rocky Mountains in Zimbabwe. And B, how the hell did Siri think we were going to get there with her direction? So they have to concentrate on some other things as opposed to, you know, um, adding new things. They really need to, or removing things. They need to fix what's there. They really need to concentrate. Stop coming out with things every yeah, my classic example was with the maps. And, uh, I was in San Francisco and I wanted to go to the taqueria that I knew was nearby. It was called Taqueria Cancun. So I typed in search Taqueria Cancun and it took me to Cancun, Mexico. And I'm like, now what is, <laughs> Apple, what is more likely that I'm standing here in a city where there's a two <laughs> you know, locations of a place called Taqueria Cancun? What are the chances I actually wanted to go to Cancun at this example? See, my hope is that they start using all this machine learning they've been working on to fix these problems, to make predictive web searches and predictive, you know, Siri things work better. I mean, that that could be done. That's, that's a lot of horsepower, too, because I think just basic check, like, where is this user right, right now? now? Right. Probably yeah. sitting in, in New York, probably, you say, for sit at the time. Yeah. yeah. You sit in New York. Is he going to drive and or fly and or train or take a boat, I guess, right. uh, <laughs> to Cancun, Mexico? Really unlikely. Okay, there's two results. There's the taqueria that's really close by and the city that is thousands of miles away. Right. And which one do you choose in your if-else switch statements? And I don't mind if that's the second listing. I just don't want it to be the first thing. <laughs> well, any time where you go, like, you start typing in an address that gets you an address, it starts, like, at the top of the list is, like, something that's a thousand miles away. And you think, mm-hmm. do you not understand, like, the yeah, chance? Like- right. You know where I am. <laughs> it's similar to the, you know, it's time to stand up and you're you're on a, in a car or a plane, and, but especially in a car where you're using directions from Apple, and Apple ought to know you're driving 60 miles. Thinking of this predictive, this predictive math thing, and I just had visions of 
my series saying, you've arrived in Denver. There are 15 liquor stores in your area. <laughs> Would you like me to take you to there? Okay. Yes, how about you take me to all of them? <laughs> right, right. So on the, other, on the other list of things to talk about is the, they're talking about putting an LTE cellular chip in an Apple Watch. I mean, that's like one of the biggest problems that I think most people have had with the watch is the, the reliance on the phone. Do you think that that chip is going to make it so that you can use an Apple Watch without having an iPhone tethered to? At all, you mean? Like you could you could have one and not well, have a phone? Yeah, like I mean, that, like a lot, I know a lot of people who want to have watches, like my grandson, for instance, but he would have to have a phone that would work with it. He's still walking over the 5S or something. But um, what do you think about why, why is Apple, I mean, they didn't need to do an article like right here, but why did uh, why did they That's why that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. LTE cellular walk, Apple Watch, like that, that you would, I mean, that the watch would be independent of a phone. Right, like that's very mediocre. Would it though, or does that just mean that you can like go on a run and get true GPS and things like that? And right. It, I, I can't see Apple. I don't see how they do any of the installing and any of the setup of an Apple Watch without a phone. No, that's true. At this point, without rewriting that completely, mm-hmm. um, like registering a phone uh, or a watch, and you didn't even own an iPhone at all. I don't know how they would solve that problem without like another massive version of iOS or watchOS um, that they're hiding from us that somehow uh, even hasn't discovered yet in that one month that you stole or whatever. <laughs> that would have been revealed by now, I would think. So I'm thinking like it's like a baby step, but the LTE will be more of a, it's slightly independent more often, but not necessarily ditching the phone entirely yet. But again, that's, that is clearly a path that Apple will want to go to eventually the way that the iPod, you know, the way the iPhone started needing iTunes and now you're going to be Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Right? For business reasons, just they'd be killed by Wall Street if their average selling price of their primary product goes down dramatically because it's oh look, this is three hundred forty nine dollar watch instead of this six hundred forty nine dollar iPhone, right? Because they're like, oh, I need a phone. This watch does enough, right? They'd have to bump up the price, and I, I don't see that happening. So if you were to make an analogy, a sci-fi analogy, right? <laughs> Looking at Star Trek here, your main device, the iPhone, is the Enterprise, and the shuttlecraft that can go to warp and can get your <laughs> That's the watch, right? And you can get the definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I dropped it, whatever, it's my new, my new watch, and it's backed up on my phone, I'll just regenerate another one, right? It's, it's fine. Um, I think that's what I see with the LTE cellular watch, right? So for the Series 2, they had the um, disconnected GPS mode, which I think was one of the things that was holding back a lot of Type friends who say, uh, I prefer this Garmin thing because it does the GPS stuff, right? I use Fitbit because it does the GPS thing. Maybe you have a watch. The one that I'm wearing right now is the original series, does not do that. Series 2 does do that. So then the next logical thing is, well, uh, if I'm on a run, well, not me because I'm sedentary, but <laughs> if I was somebody who was on a run, I might still want to be able to accept phone calls and be like, oh no, you know, they turn around and come right back. Uh, something terrible has happened at the house, or uh, something good has happened, and you should come right back because Ed McMahon's at your house with a big check. Right? <laughs> right? Like that sort of like you can see that you would want that, that, that sort of capability to come. Sure, like 911 calls or something like that would be really good to be able to do independently of your phone if you're going around the way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a step in that direction, but I don't think we're going to get to the point where you don't need a phone yet. What other you I tried to be really open-minded about it, and 
because I'm not really, as anyone can tell, like a fashion conscious person for the most part, but you know, I don't express myself, I wear black for the most part. Um, but you know, it's kind of nice to just be able to throw on a different watch band and feel a little different. Uh, so, you know, I, I say that you know, hoping that, maybe, maybe I'm being hopeful, but yeah, I'm hoping that my investment in watch bands isn't going to become completely useless. Are you buying legit ones, like Apple ones, or, or, or knockoffs like Hyundai over there? I've never found a, a knockoff that I particularly liked. I tried one or two, and I kind of sent them right back. I've been buying Apple's ones because I'm an idiot, uh, but also because I really do think they're particularly good at making bands. I, I like uh, the way that they craft them. And I, I feel like they have the sensibility, they understand the watch, and so when they design a band for the watch, it's kind of the aesthetic of John sure. Sharp kind, yep. of, kind of flows through that. You, you can try mine, so again, it only costs $30. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have a bill of so yeah. And I've had it long enough where my initial fear of, I'm probably going to get a skin rash. <laughs> it's like, well, already passed. I've sweated through this long enough, but it's okay. And I also have a, a $30 um, Hermes cuff that's really nice. And Yes, if you were standing next to somebody who actually had a real one, you'd spot it right away. Mm -hmm. But from this distance, like what we're looking at right now, no way you'd be able to tell. Well, that's always been the nature of knockoffs, isn't it? Like, it's like most people really can't tell. And most people are fine with a knockoff, but then it's having the genuine article isn't about that. It's so much as just, you know, it's a different thing. That's a whole, like, documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have nothing against the knockoffs, I just haven't felt them. All right, so we, should we skip the whole pod and just move on to picks? What do you think? There was one pod in here too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in the title. It was just in the title. Like, like, oh, it's in the title. From the panel right there. Never mind. No, no. What's what what is it? We can always cut this part from the show. Live people have to bear with us. Oh, awkward. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but what was the whole pod part? No, I just I wanted to hear what, what people think. I mean, we know what Tammy thinks about the hand. You know what Tammy thinks about the whole pod? We do. Well, the Hyundai shouldn't buy one. What I think about the whole pod is weird because you know when when the first came out with the Apple TV, oh, yeah. we couldn't do anything with right. it, right? We could just watch it sometimes when it worked. <laughs> then they came out with the developer kit, and we were all like, "Yeah, this is great. That was fun to get." And I kind of think the whole pod is going to take that same app where it's going to come out, and they're going to the app is going to be different than Toe and Mark. And if we jump in with them, there's a chance that we're going to get eaten by Ferraris. <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> so what I recommend, safe play, because it's not cheap. How, how much? Three forty nine. Three forty nine. That's a crap ton of money. That's for the sixteen gig model. Thirty six. You can't break that kind of money. Let's just say it. See, I thought you were an opposition with it. The fact that there's a microphone that, even though Apple tells you it's a noise on, could be. Yeah, in theory. It has to always. <laughs> No, I put enough tinfoil on to get around that one, but it's stupid. <laughs> that's true, too. I mean, yeah, there is the whole always on, but that's not it. I think, I think, the, next, I think the next version when it comes out, as a developer, that's where I would want to put my money. Now, I got the Apple TV and the developer kit for dollar. I got in on that deal. Mm -hmm. For me, that was a no-brainer. If they do that for the HomePod and you can develop it, I'm totally there. I don't care if it listens to me, I'll, I'll give up that dollar. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting a little bug, uh, only mostly because my home stereo system died about three, 
months ago, mm. and I haven't replaced it yet. And I've been thinking about what to do with that, and that was one of the disappointing things. That it doesn't seem to have any kind of HDMI input or anything like that, so it would only be through wireless. So it seems to be like, does Apple want this to be an Apple Music device? Because I don't have an Apple Music subscription, um, and so I don't necessarily want to get one necessarily just to be able to use the home mod. But if I can get my Apple TV to AirPlay to it and it sounds decent, uh, that's a 350 is actually kind of a cheapish solution to that problem if it sounds as good as they're playing. Yeah, I think that if you've listened to, the, to this show long enough and if you've heard my uh, my guest appearance on Roundabout, my enthusiasm has wavered where prior to the HomePod, anything about it being announced, I was just like, Siri and a speaker, fantastic, take my money, mm -hmm. to, oh, it's 349 which is, you know, it's a considerable amount for kind of what it is, um, but it's not insurmountable because it's still less than the phone about the same price as this watch. Um, but it didn't have the developer story, and I said, because I had a conversation with Tam, he's like, yeah, that's a good point. At first Apple TV, you couldn't, you know, unless you were part of like, the special crew, you make a hangout channel. Yeah, this was the third Apple TV, the very first one we had with the hard drive in it. It's the right. Box, yeah. They all make them. And yeah, but it didn't have like an official developer story, no. which I had full on doubled down on and said, or I think it was for our WWDC prediction episode. Oh, yeah, they're clearly going to do that. It seems so obvious. And then the surprise decided not to announce anything at all. They even heavily de emphasized Siri in the in the announcement of that product, where it's like, oh, it does all these things, it's like, kind of like, some of the speaker, uh, oh, by the way, it's got Siri Cadence by it, and they just <laughs> abruptly ended the, <laughs> the keynote. Uh, so I went back down to like a 60-40 sort of thing, but I've kind of turned around thinking, you know what, it might be the sort of thing that they can enable with like an OS for more kind of update, um, because the chip that it has in it is way overpowered for what it needs to do. Right. And when I look at like the different iterations of uh, Amazon's Echo, which I have uh, an Echo Dot, and Echo Show, and Google Home. Home. Yeah. Uh, they come up with new ones that make the speakers a little bit better, make the microphone set up a little bit better. They never say, oh, by the way, it's got a four gigahertz processor or anything that they're using. It's not really needed, most of that intelligence is way off in the back on the server side, the cloud side. So as long as it's strong enough to do the local processing to figure out, microphone is always on. As do you know is it, but not necessarily always transmitting to Apple. Yeah. Long, long enough to say, did you say, hey, follow by Siri, um, does it do what it does? You know, I, I think there could be a developer store, so I'm, I'm back up to like 80 20. <laughs> Dude, man, the check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we move on to picks? I think we can wrap it up with picks. All right, so, well, you have a pick on me, right? I do have a pick. Would you like to tell us what your pick is? <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit different. Um, being here at 360, I've definitely kind of compared notes with a lot of folks, like, you know, of course, talking about a DGC and uh, release notes and uh, Roundabout comes out. Um, Sester came up because I said, oh, it's only six episodes in, it's not intimidating. I can join and, and binge and catch up to the real time and, and feel like I'm part of that community. So I've, I've subscribed to that, but I've also talked to other people like, you know. <laughs> I've also talked to other people like, you know, what podcast do you listen to? And I said, you know what, there's one that I've, that's relatively new that I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, I mean, full disclosure, probably because I'm a child of the 80s, so it has many, many sort of aspects to it. And that is uh, LeVar Burton Reads. So for those of you who don't remember, LeVar Burton, uh, Jordy LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> my favorite Star Trek. Kunta Kente and Roots. And all 
also hosted uh, Reading Rainbow, and it's exactly <laughs> what it does. It's kind of like listening to like an Amazon uh, Audible book, and it, I guess they, they do sponsor them too, so it kind of makes sense there. But he goes to these short stories, it's about 30 to 45 minutes on, on the outside of you know, different kind of topics. The first one is a sci-fi one, there's been sort of a, a semi-western one, there's been a medieval fantasy that was a two-parter one that was just it's all brilliant works that he chooses, and it's presented quite well because he knows how to use different enunciations, uh, different kind of pitches and tones, and the characters sound different, even like the female characters, he has kind of a lower voice, and he does that really well. You can tell, oh, that was the woman character that spoke, and this was the dude character that spoke, so I really appreciate that. I'd say go check it out and uh, subscribe. We'll have a link in the show notes. Cool. Joey, quick. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys ever talked about uh, this little utility. It's a back menu bar utility called Tooth Fairy. On the show, never. Alright, so this is something that was actually pointed out to me by Alan Pike, and there was like some controversy when he mentioned it because he's like, "This is an amazing little three dollar utility. Trust me, just go get it." And you know, if you use AirPods, especially you know with your Mac, everyone's like, you know, because basically what it is, it's a little menu bar app that sits in your menu bar, and it's just a little icon, and you can click on it, and it'll activate whatever Bluetooth device you want to, including your AirPods, and you can even change the icon to a little AirPod. And everyone's like, well, how hard is it to just go to the Bluetooth menu and just connect AirPods, or to go to the, the, volume, you know, the volume up and down and connect AirPods? And like, yeah, but neither one of those tells you when your AirPods are currently connected. Yeah. And what Tooth Fairy does, is with one click on that little button, it actually changes the icon to show it's activated, and so now I know the AirPods are connected. And I can just look by sight and connect them. So uh, it's like a three dollar utility that's so worth it to me. Um, one of those simple little things that, that you know, made my life a lot easier. And so I had to back up Kyle Pine and I used to be more complaining to him about like, well, that's silly and useless. He's like, fine, if you don't want to pay three dollars and told <laughs> and I told him that was a great idea. Yeah, I mean there are definitely folks that will always do that. If you look back at the archive of Packer News, you'll find people saying like, you know, this Dropbox thing, that's so <laughs> trivial. Like, what the hell? Just, <laughs> <laughs> thumb drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you bothering us with this? This is so trivial. I can do this on the weekend. Yeah. I have a combined pick. All right. So if you're doing any type of presenting or you're working on any type of screencasting or things of that nature, uh, what I recommend is the bartender app, which is something that mm -hmm. you run allows you to take the top bar and kind of customize it so it's not filled with like all these thousands of things that we're running at any given time. Just makes your screen look nice, especially if you're doing screencasting. Uh, if you're doing something more along the lines of giving a live talk, for example, or even even screencasting where you're trying to keep it down to like five to seven minutes for the recording, there's this other app called Red Hot Timer. And it's it's great because you, it goes up in the top. You can use this little pull down to set the timer. You can also double click and go in and set the timer. And it's real. It, it's not in your face. There's certain settings that you can do, but it's just a little countdown in the corner. And when you use it with bartender, it can really be the only thing that's on that top bar. It's just a really nice thing. So I don't have any access to the show notes right now. I put my computer away, I'm done. Uh, so you guys are going to have to find it on your own. <laughs> we'll find those. Red Hot Tiger and uh, Bartender. We'll add, them, add a link to the show notes for sure. For sure.
The walls. Oh yeah, I couldn't live without boards. Yeah, we especially with that back of my head, my little back of one or back of the door, whatever you want to call it. Like the, the lower resolution of your screen, the more of those little menulets like start totally mm -hmm. eating into your your main menu bar. And okay. so I need to hide the vast majority of them and just show the five or six I actually want at all times. So, yeah, it comes in handy. This I'm going to mention an app that I talked about in my talk today at 360 IDA, just tangentially because I was my talk was about reading criticism and responding to it as a developer. And I went on the App Store to find all kinds of different kinds of criticism and I put that up there. One of the apps, which uh, and I try not to slam on apps that are already having a hard time. So I, when I give examples, I use examples of apps that already have like five stars, yet they still have complaints. And one of them was uh, Forest. Is anybody familiar with that? Forest? Forest. It's called Forest. If you go into the app store and, and switch to the productivity category, it's number one paid app in productivity. And I don't remember where I first heard of it, but all it is, all it is, which is, it's, you know, I say it's simple, which is good, is, you know, um, even tonight, I'm sitting up here, I am on on my phone, and I'm trying, I think I'm trying to do things that are productive relative to the podcast and tweeting things out, but Forest, when you open it up, it shows you, um, you pick a, a time um, interval, and you say, okay, click. And then for that uh, interval, and you've set it, so it's not like all day, but it can, um, it will start planting a tree or a bush or whatever, some flower bush. And if you do anything to go off of that app, it's going to kill your tree. <laughs> and I happen to be very motivated by badges and things like that. I'm very motivated by dead trees. I do not want my tree to die. Mm -hmm. So everybody whose talk I went to this week, I put forest on so I would not go and like start getting into Twitter or whatever. I would just leave the phone there and, and focus. That's it. Um, it was not the number one paid productivity app when I first heard of it. Now it is. Like, I, I was very surprised to see that because it's only $2. Uh, so they're doing something right. And anyway, check it out. It's, it's good. It's not for everybody, as I know, because I, as part of my talk, I really explored their app store reviews. And <laughs> they have pretty much a five-star average. But of course, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's unhappy with something, even if it's something that the app actually has. They don't know that it's there, whatever reason. I like Forest. Uh, it is not a game. Uh, it is gamification of uh, productivity, of distraction. It's similar to Pomodoro, mm -hmm. but you, you earn coins and you can buy like new trees. That, yeah, anyway. So that's my thing. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, Distracting is a big thing. One of the uh, one of the biggest problems I struggle with, and I'm sure we all do, is like you think, oh, I have to go to my phone, and you'll, you'll find as you guys get older, get your lean gene, that you'll get in there, you'll go, like I think about the hereafter a lot. You know, when I'm thinking about, you know, as I get older, I'm like, what did I come in here after? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Uh, oh no, I don't remember. All right, let's 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you see it tweet, and you see, you know, then you're down that, that, that road. And so, yeah, it's really You guys cool. might see the first live rope punch happen. <laughs> <laughs> I have a million of those. So there comes a time, my talk earlier today was about learning and then teaching. And just this week, I had a proud, proud moment where the student completely surpassed <laughs> Jaime taught me how to do the perfect toe punch, and he's going to do it. <laughs> okay. So the short story about how this innovation came about is that um, we were walking to lunch or something, and discussing with Tammy, like, what are the, the techniques exactly for this throat punch? Like, you go with a closed fist and kind of go straight on. Uh, do you kind of go with, like, knuckle in to sort of edge in there? I think you said, oh, a uh, straight fist, right? He's got, like, the full bulk in there. I said, you know, the first thing you should do is distract the person and say, put that up there. And as they go up, clear access to the throat. I was so proud. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess we'll wrap it up uh, for the show. So, uh, hey, honey, if you want to get a holding on the interwebs, where would they look? They would look on Twitter, I'm at Deborah the Hair. And Sandy, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? They can find me at Paradox927. Okay, so, Jean, if people want to get a holding on the interwebs, where would they look? Um, the best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is MacGene, M A C G E N I E. If you, uh, if you get in touch with me there, I will and say, hey, I need to email you. I'll send you my email address. My direct messages are open. And um, I'm on Twitter all the time. So, uh, Sestracast, the uh, Orphan Black podcast, is at Sestracast on Twitter. And it's Sestracast.com. We'll take you to our page where you can listen to the latest episode or see the previous episodes on The Incomparable. Network. And uh, yeah, those are the best places right now to get me. Cool. All right, and Joe, if people want to find you on the interwebs? On Twitter, I'm just uh, J.H. Jplinski, that's J C I E P L I N S A I. I say that so often. Chiplinski. Yeah, we're not Chiplinski. Chip like a chocolate chip. I kept saying Chip, and he kept thinking so. I was like, I'm really unclear, and I was too lazy to download an additional piece of it. I was like, this week's release, and I was like, I go just like if you can say his name. Don't feel bad. There are members of my family that say Siblinski. And when I went to Warsaw, I had a, I had to give a talk in Warsaw, and uh, the person who was announcing me first from Poland said, should I say the name of the way you say it or the way we would say it? <laughs> I said, say it the way you would say it. So, yeah. Right. Right. We're, we're a couple of generations away from uh, the motherland at this point, so I think we're okay. That's okay. We trip over Jaime all the time. Jaime, <laughs> Jaime, Jamie. It's okay, there's like extra use or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're obligated by law to throw extra use and go into our language for sure. We say process, not process. Um, <laughs> and organization. As I said at the top of the show, I'm Timitra, T I M M I T R A, on the Twitter machine. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And that's it for another week. We'll all say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out the details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. minutes out of that to say it, right? Of course, there's a lot of political discussion, which never ends up in our show. That one can't end up on the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh. How about you guys, when you guys are going to for roundup? Or no, for uh, releasing this? What do you mean? Like, you guys, you, just, you said you record with, with Charles, and just give it a finite amount of time to record. And that's yeah, I use the timer, and I keep it to 30 to 40 minutes. I try to that's keep it very nice. What's that? I didn't know you all had a picture. We, uh, we have a picture? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, so I... At least it does have a Patreon. Nice. MTGC has a Patreon. Yeah, I got a... Is Ron Brown a Patreon? Yeah, Ron Brown is uh, just right. Not yet. It's all Not yet. It sounds like they I want to get through the first season right now. It's just like a pure, like, we love doing this. And even Kathy said, do we know how many listeners we have? And I said, I don't really care right now. <laughs> You know, we started, we started small too, and, and um, we've grown over time. Like, I think when, you know, when we started looking at the stats, how many people we had, we had 50 people, and now we're over a lot of 20,000 per episode. That's great. That's great. I'm just happy doing the podcast because it's fun. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, that's totally what we do. It's like, you know, it's like, you have to have numbers. Yeah. But I think that the, the real, real way to go is with like the Patreon campaign as well. XLR, so I just have to right. I've always been like an Apogee one or something. Something for portability when I'm like traveling and 
Yeah, but but dynamics definitely. I have a, a, I, yeah, I have a Mackie um, uh, uh, there, a little blackjack. And that's nice, but it's a little too bulky for putting, you know, carrying in a bag. Mm-hmm. I wish I had some. Where are you going? What? Where are you going? I'm going to find food. What are you doing? I'm going to go. Uh, right, well, then, hang on. We'll go find food together. It's about dinner time. Yeah, I do want to drop off my stuff in the room. Joe, are you eating? Uh, we haven't got anything planned. Nothing planned, but we'd sure love it for you. Yeah. Just join us. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's go guarding a little bit. Two suggestions. Yeah. Okay. High review. Bye, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.